computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Welcome to the IBM Keep It Simple Technology Podcast, where each episode we discuss technology but in a simple way. We keep the explanation simple, but what we spend our time on is emphasizing what this technology means to you and how you can best utilize this technology for you and your business. Your host, as always, Thomas Angleo. Welcome to the IBM Keep It Simple Technology Podcast. And I am your host, Thomas Anglero, Director of Innovation for IBM. And today we have a special guest. We're going to focus on quantum computing today. And our guest, I mean, the guy is crazy. He's coming to you from a shack <laughs> in the middle of Norway. I'm not lying. Is not Lars Nordbrin who is our senior architect and an IBM Q ambassador. IBM Q is IBM's quantum computer. Lars, are you with us? I am. Thank you, Thomas. Hello. <laughs> you got to tell people about your shack, Lars. Just set the framework because we're all in lockdown. Today is Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. We're all in lockdown and Lars, you're locked down in a shack with what next to you? This is hysterical. Go well, basically, this is my man cave, so I need to have some isolation <laughs> also. From my three girls who are, are doing their homework in, in, in the house, I have a, a shack isolated from the house. Uh, <laughs> I have my guitar, my CD collection, my coffee machine in an arm length distance, uh, and I also have my brewery here. So, uh, uh, Go, Lars! <laughs> I know. I mean, what what did people do before they have internet in their brewery? I don't know. Uh, there you go. There we go. Spoken like a true nerd. Oh, my God. Lars, great. Don't drink while uh, talking on a podcast, okay? Keep it to after the podcast. <laughs> Lars, um, there's a whole bunch of people listening on this podcast right now. And a lot of them are um, either in their man cave or hoping to God they'll have a man cave in the next five minutes to get away from the chaos behind them. Um, or on top of their lap. I remember those days. And let's start off directly when it comes to the world of quantum computing. This is a word, a subject that has been talked about, hyped up massively, absolutely massively. So why don't we, why don't you break down really simply, right? What is a quantum computer compared to a normal computer? Go for it. Okay, yeah. Uh, to start with uh, the normal computer and the and the, um, uh, and the terms that people are acquainted with, uh, normal computers are are registering all their information in zeros and ones. This is kind of the usual setup that people are are acquainted to. Uh, the quantum computers are quite differently. So they they run on what we call qubits, not bits. Qubits is uh, is a series of of, uh, of units that uh, are using quantum um, uh, quantum mechanics principles. So they are not storing and computing in zeros and and and, and ones. They are computing in a combination of zeros and ones. Uh, and then, in addition to that, there are also other characteristics of quantum mechanics that that uh, that comes into place where each of these units are actually working with each other so they work together also so so there's first of all a lot of 
of, of more information to store into those qubits, uh, and there's also different things to do with them than with 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 uh, ordinary bits. So so it's not kind of a, an equivalent, just a scaled up equivalent to a classic computer. We need to to think completely different on how we are to solve the questions and the problems that we are going to do. Okay, now let's keep it simple. <laughs> and let's break down zeros and ones in quid bits. I love the word quid bits. You should call that for your new beer, quid bit. Um, <laughs> Qubits, so, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. So here we go. Um, let's give it, let's break down the zeros and ones because I always think that's so such a nerdy statement until you understand how simple it actually is. So in the, in the computing world, a zero and one when you program I like to give the world's simplest answer uh, example, and that is if I say the word um, uh, hello, right? Uh, the, the, to, for, a pro, for a computer to program the word hello, which is spelled H-E-L-L-O, the letter H is actually a defined code of maybe 001. That's the letter H in computer code. And then the letter E is maybe 011. And then L is another combination of something. So when he talks to, when Lars says zeros and ones, everything you do when you spell a word or do something on the computer, every minute action is either a zero and a one or a combination of a zero and a one. So that's what he means by zeros and ones. And on a supercomputer, um, sorry, on a quantum computer, sorry, on a quantum computer, that this is this is always very foggy for me because it's so 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 different because it's in the world of quantum mechanics. The the computer is not just at a state. Things are not just zeros or ones. They could be zero and ones at the same time. Am I right, Lars? Yeah, uh, I would rather call it a combination of a zero and a one. Uh, so exactly. yes, yeah, exactly. And this is where why quantum computers are so amazing. Prior to quantum computers, everything was very, you know, one plus one equals two. That's the way we see things. But in the quantum world, things don't happen that way. They've proven that an element or an electron can be at two different places physically, geographically in the universe at the same time. That doesn't make sense in our normal world. But in the quantum world, things are different. So in the quantum world, when they compute with zeros and ones that are not just zeros and ones, but they're zeros and ones at the same time, you have tremendous amount of advantages and benefits. And this is where a quantum computer leverages that. Um, Lars, in this quantum world, I think I hope now everybody listening understands that we're dealing where we have to think in a quantum level of things where things aren't basic. What are the benefits that come from using a quantum computer um, versus a normal computer? working in the quantum world. When you scale up this, these computers, you are able to, um, to combine several, uh, um, call it values or, or, or um, uh, problems and combine them uh, in a much larger extent than with the, with the classical computers. So, so you are actually testing several things at the same time. That's that's how you are actually using that uh, that quantum mechanic effect that you are testing a combination of different values at the same time. Uh, that uh, might hold not on, me, hold, on, hold on, Lars. Let me just yep. quite, let's clarify. What do you mean by and because with a normal PC, you can run a program and it's parallel processing. So compare that to the quantum machine. What's the difference? Well, well let me take you an example. Uh, if you have a, a 
four cards on the table, and you know that one of these cards is a queen. Uh, you're turning them upside down, uh, and the way to find the queen is to flip each card. Uh, if you do that a hundred times, you will have an average of two tries uh, to, to find the queen. That's how classical computers do it. But the, the um, uh, quantum computer can test several of these possibilities at the same time, so they will always pull the queen the first time. So is true parallel? Yeah, it's more than parallel, but but uh, but yes, you can yeah. you can use that yeah, term. I, yeah, I'm trying to use that term because the only term I could think of in our outside of the quantum world, our, our normal world. But wow, okay. Yes. So so it's it's uh, it's uh, in an unstructured search, you'll try to 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 test all the different possibilities uh, exactly. while you in the quantum context can can do several tests at the same time. Exactly. So in the normal world, it tests, it tries, it does trial number one, uh, pass, fail, fail. Trial number two, pass, fail, fail. And it keeps on going until it passes. And in the quantum world, there is no trial one or trial two. It just does it all at once. Yeah. Or or more efficient, yes. Yeah. And more efficient. Wow. That's okay. And, keep, keep going. That was Yeah. And, and the joy of this. Uh, and, and I think that's that's uh, one of the other things that we need to understand. Uh, uh, when you have a set of bits in a classic machine or you have a set of transistors in the, in the, in the chip of a computer, if you are... Uh, if you want to double the calculation power of this machine, you need to double the number of uh, of um, transistors in that chip. Yep. While in a, um, uh, a quantum computer, if you have a set of qubits, if you want to double the calcu calculation power of that quantum machine, you just add one qubit because it has an exponential growth for every qubit you add to that system. Okay, now let's clarify. What is a qubit? Is that a physical thing? Yes, it's a physical thing. Uh, so a qubit is emulating uh, what, and, and this is not able to do simple. Uh, and I, and I've, if I would like to quote one of the, the founding fathers of quantum computing, Richard Feynman, he said, those who understand or think they understand quantum mechanics have not understood quantum mechanics. So, 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 so j just have that in mind. But uh, <laughs> good luck with this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, an atom or 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 the the lowest uh, lowest uh, units of our of our, our um, uh, physical matter, they have different what we call states. Uh, quantum states, uh, yeah. and and that is actually what we are doing with the qubit is to try to emulate that quantum state. So an atom can have a quantum state, uh, um, uh, a photon, which is kind of the, the basics of the light, has quantum states. So, se so several of these these uh, uh, particles have um, uh, have quantum states, and a, a qubit is uh, uh, is a um, is a setup we are emulating that quantum state. And quantum state is a zero or one or a combination of zero and ones. Uh, so what we do when we when we make these uh, qubit chips uh, is that we are trying to construct that uh, quantum state with electronics. Uh, 
Exactly. And is a qubit chip, is one qubit, one qubit chip? No, we are, we are adding more and more qubits into a one single wafer. So in exactly. our largest uh, quantum computers to date, uh, we have 53 working qubits uh, on one wafer. Exactly. So uh, that's somewhat is... similar to the standard CPU model where they're packing in more and more transistors per CPU wafer, correct? That's that's correct. That's correct. So okay. so we've seen a massive growth just over the last two, three years uh, from from just five qubits to, to 20 qubits and now recently 53 qubits. Um, and and that's that's uh, that's one of the races actually in the market also to 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 see how many qubits you are able to put on the wafer and how stable you can make them, how how uh, uh, how noise suppressing we are able to make them and so on. So it's not the perfect technology for now. So it's very seldom that you see we are opening our research programs at such an early state that we are doing with quantum computing. So that's why it's, it's also been discussed more in a, in a lab term than actually in computing terms nowadays. In the quantum world, when you add a, another qubit to a wafer, that is not the same as adding just one more transistor in the CPU world. Because as you said very clearly and very well, Lars, that when you add a qubit, that's an exponential growth. Where in the CPU world, our normal world, you add a transistor, that's not exponential growth. So it's nothing at all the same. So everybody listening should be understand that um, this is not same, same, right? Because a lot of people are saying, well, I have a Pentium computer. I guess I'm dating myself. There aren't Pentium computers anymore, but, you know, and it's got this or that or whatever. It's not the same. We're talking about exponential growth when you add one more qubit, uh, qubit sorry, versus the whole transistor model, which is totally different. Um, Lars, this is, w w what are the benefits to using a quantum computer? Who was well, just to start off simpler? Who is the market for using quantum computers today? And then as a business leader who has a business and going, wow, I, I would love to run some analysis using a quantum computer because it could analyze everything in every scenario possible all in one second. This is fantastic. So who's the market for quantum computers today? Who's using it? And then what businesses should start looking uh, at quantum computing because they could benefit from it today? So so at this time, we are actually in, um, in several research programs uh, with different actors of, of different industries to find use cases for for quantum computers so so at the, at the current state uh, you cannot do anything with existing quantum computers that you cannot do with classic computers so that's that's very important to emphasize so this is the nature of the research program is that we see when can we see a benefit in terms of five years 10 years 15 years and so on uh, so, so today we have no benefits for anyone. So it is a research program, so to speak, just to make that clear. But, but the the areas where we see some very interesting uh, things happening is uh, obviously going back to quantum mechanics and seeing um, doing chemistry model models with with quantum computers. So, in basics, chemistry is quantum mechanics. Uh, 
when you are are going into the the, the minor details on on, a, on on that micro perspective, and and to make precise models, you will need to have quantum mechanic based models. Uh, so so that's one of the major first purposes of a quantum computer is to emulate chemistry. So that could be interesting for um, for for process industries where you are optimizing. Uh, certain processes uh, uh, and uh, and making it more efficient to to generate new compounds, for instance. Uh, and um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different purposes within chemistry. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, right now it jumps out with the whole COVID nineteen. Be able to identify, you know, new potential cures for this. That's definitely an area where quantum can help. You know, so. Yeah, so that's that's in in, in drug discovery, for instance, uh, and uh, but but not all, also that also in in how to understand how these proteins work and so on. Um, it's 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 very complex, so you are probably not seeing that much purpose uh, of of quantum computers within the first couple of years, but uh, but it might be interesting in a long term perspective. Yes. Um, okay, and then. And Which then, companies today? That was great. Good, can do. Please, let me interrupt you. Go for it. Yeah, and and then we have uh, have use cases that are not linked to quantum uh, chemistry at all, uh, but is more linked to uh, the possibility to test several uh, combinations at the same time. Uh, so we have a. Um, uh, a discipline within mathematics called optimization, um, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, also quite fun when you look out how incredibly complex a lot of the the the, uh, the problems that we are very comfortably <laughs> having around us and that we think that we are actually doing the most optimized uh, way of, uh, of, uh, of practice but we really don't know um, and and in optimization uh, a, a quantum computer might be able to 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 do things a lot more efficient than the classic computer uh so and i i i have i've used that example a couple of times about uh how incredible complex problems really are when you look at it mathematically uh, if you for instance have a table with 10 people around it uh, uh how many combinations of seatings do you have on a table with only 10 people <laughs> you know yeah. uh with, with two people around the table is it's two combinations you can switch chairs that's all but when you have 10 people around the same table, uh, it's actually more than 3 million combinations of seatings just around that table with 10 people. And add the, the 11th, and then you have 40 million combinations. So so these, if you try to find the optimum way of seatings, you need to test all those 3.5 million combinations of people. Uh, so so that's, an, that's an optimization problem, and, and there's lots of those optimization problems, um, and, uh, and, and that's an, an area where, where um, a quantum computer might be, be, uh, be efficient. Uh, and and uh, kind of a, a spin-off from that also, uh, which is another interesting area, is, is, is financing and, and how to modulate the finance uh, uh, dynamics uh, on a on a macro scale. If you see uh, how is the market impacting by this and this and this and different scenarios and this different scenario testing, so the financial market does not have a lab. Chemistry have a lab, electronics have a lab, computers have a lab, but finance does not have a lab. So if you're able to make better models of how you are 
uh, how your financial industry is acting on different uh, different um, scenarios. That will be extremely efficient. Absolutely. This uh, this to me, I'm getting more and more excited as I listen to you because it sounds like we've been looking living in the caveman days compared to where quantum and its efficiencies will drive us. Right. Um, be able to look at millions, billions of different scenarios and possibilities and get such or closer to more of a definitive answer. Um, Lars, uh, what about programming? I think this is something that nobody ever asks, and I think people need to understand that. Can, if someone is interested in doing getting into the quantum uh, computing, is a normal programming skills enough to program in the quantum world? If they say, yeah, let's get into it, let's start a project. Um, or do you need to have a special skill set to get into the pro- quantum world and start programming for quantum computers? Today, you will certainly have a very different skill set. Um, but if we take it in a bit of a retrospect also, uh, when you entered the computing business in the 50s, you would probably know a lot about uh, transistor characteristics and uh, and Boolean algebra. Uh, while today you are just uh, pulling strings between dots in uh, in the in the graphic user interface. Yeah, uh, so so we are at the fifties level on quantum computers today. So you need to understand the quantum mechanics. You need to n- understand mm-hmm. the qubits and the superpositions and the combinations of the zeros and ones and you know all that entanglements and all that fancy words from, from the, the quantum mechanics. But we are currently, uh, as speaking, and as an open community developing frameworks for programming uh, also on high level so that the... The, the future of quantum computing might be on a high level perspective. You have your use case and you're programming it with a, with, with the sensible set of, of, of parameters and, and you get the result. But, but the core of it, and that's where we are actually doing work today and optimizing it today, you need to understand how you are, are abstracting your use case into, um, wave functions and uh, and uh, and uh, quantum mechanic uh, principles in order to make the quantum computer calculated and it's also important to emphasize that this is not something you do overnight this is uh, exactly. this this is an area where uh, i would hope that uh, that all all uh, universities and all industries are starting to investigate and 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 invest their their peoples and skills into it because uh, this is something we need to do together. We need to develop it together uh, in order to to be prepared when the hardware is strong enough. Um, so, so it's separate activity actually to to learn the skills of programming, uh, understanding the core fundamentals, and also investigate what kind of use cases can be implemented, what cannot be implemented, where is it good for, what is it not good for, because there's so many use cases that uh, quantum computers will be will be really bad at doing. So, so, so it's it's a very small subset that we see dramatic improvements. But there's so many things that it will not give the the, the improvement. So, so we need to find those areas, and that's a lot of the research programs now is to, is to 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 understand which of them which of the use cases that actually will benefit from a quantum computer and where you will benefit most. Uh, Lars, you, you, you left off 
before when you were saying that you needed, you know, the, the list of things you needed to have uh, to understand the quantum computer, you left off a couple of critical things. And let me just fill in the blank. You need to have a shack. You need to have a brewery within arm's distance of yourself. Am I right? Are these some of the secrets to quantum computing? <laughs> you need to spend some time for yourself, at least, yeah? <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I think that when it comes to the basic science, uh, a lot of these, uh, these poor scientists have spent a lot of time by themselves thinking and doing things in, 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 in the individual matter. And it's not always uh, easy to understand which, which of the scientists and which of the uh, inventions and, uh, and, um, and new principles that actually will Will come to some some use at the some uh, at the time, but yes, uh, I'm starting off with uh, with uh, with brewery and uh, and the CD collection, and I'll take it from there. <laughs> a CD collection. <laughs> it's no no offline. There's only offline music in my shack, and and actually, I'm 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 compiling a list of of crucial albums that you you really don't find by stream only on on physical media. Look. At... <laughs> I love you, Lars. You're great, man. <laughs> Listen, everybody's locked up uh, in quarantine and stuff. And as soon as the quarantine is over, party at Lars's shack. We'll give out an address on the website of the podcast. Lars, uh, let's wrap up this episode. You've been so informative and you have kept it simple. And I mean, this is a very difficult subject. Any last thing you'd like to share? Um, well, I... Yes, actually, uh, I'm I'm opening this for 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 people to to uh, to do their own um, do their own exploration. So so if you um, if you Google up IBM Q on 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 the internet, you will find yourself uh, a way into to um, uh, to our open community uh, where everyone, and I mean everyone, can can uh, can. Uh, um, be member, test it. We have our quantum computers uh, available online on the internet for everyone to test. There's more than 100,000 people currently that are members of IBM Q experience. Uh, and that's really the way to start for everyone. And, and as I said uh, just a, a few minutes ago, uh, we don't know which of the inventions or uh, or 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 uh, uh, new ideas that actually will crack and be the the next big thing. So so it's open for everyone. Lars, that is a fantastic way to send us home. I thank you very much, Lars Nordbrin, senior architect, IBM Q ambassador. Thank you for your time, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Lars gives us great advice. You know, experiment and play. And as he said, these are the early, early days of quantum computing. But if all of you remember the early, early days of uh, the dot-com days, we all wish we would have taken advantage and did, you know, did that thing. And then we'd have been so much better off today. This is another point in time in the technology world to get involved, get, in, uh, get excited and see what comes from it. Lars, thank you. Everybody out there, thank you. Like the podcast, share it with your friends, families, and stay healthy, stay safe until the next time. Thank you very much.